Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Early Music Monday. Today, we're switching things up a little bit. It's been a lot, it's been a long time since uh, Cameron's been asked the questions. So, our special guest today is, in fact, Cameron, and I'm the one asking the questions. So, we hope you enjoy this episode on Early Music Monday. Well, Cameron, thanks for joining so, me today on your podcast. I feel, I feel very, feel very lacrimose and introspective in this moment. It is a little weird. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm scared. You're scared. Okay, good, good. Yeah, that means we'll get some I'm... raw answers. And for the for the <laughs> listeners, I just want you to know that Cameron has had zero preparation for my questions yeah it's gonna it was, be <laughs> off the cuff it was it was interesting like it. thinking about this i i you know i thought about these questions for a while and it's interesting because i know cameron so well so trying to come up with questions <laughs> to ask like i know maybe i know the answers already or i know them in part but what would be interesting to you guys anyway i tried my best so Anyway, uh, the reason we're doing this is because I, I just looked through all the episodes and I realized, you know what? You know what cool guy has never actually been interviewed? It's this guy. It's Cameron. Well, I'm touched you'd call me a cool guy because my students would call me nerd, old, boring. I mean, but cool be, sounds awesome. You can be cool, cool and a nerd and boring. You know, those can all be the It's same. true. It's because yeah. I play ice hockey. That's the only cool part. Which, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about that Ooh. later. Oh, But I want to start things off with, I don't even know the answer to this question, or if there is even an answer to this question. But I want to know your, your musical origin story. Like, when I look at your family, I don't know them <laughs> super well, but like I look at your dad, who's like a sports guy who runs stadiums or something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and I'm like, how did this music nerd end up here? So give us give us the quick, you know, origin story overview. Wow. That is a really funny question. When I like think to tell the question, it's like, well, yeah, because I know the I know all the details and the ending and I can trace it back, but to imagine to have someone else ask me that is kind of peculiar. And it starts, my journey starts as a young lad. No, just kidding. I was like, okay, so if I'm being for real, my story starts with, you know, my dad took me to, to war, church choir practice. He'll, he'll claim credit for that, by the way, of nice. like, I started him. And it's, I mean, it's true. I went, and I just, I did it because my friends were there. Uh, my mom forced me into piano lessons when I was younger, and I didn't hate it, but I didn't love practicing, mostly because I didn't like being bad at anything, not because I didn't like the piano, actually. Looking back, I think it totally had to do with mm -hmm. I, I didn't like being instantly good at something. And so sports there's, came more naturally. So There's a podcast in that, that, that right there. 
Yes, there totally is. And uh, my, Liz, my wife, has the same thing. She's like, no, nope, not instantly good, not doing it. Kind of <laughs> I was like, Super yes, healthy. I actually know. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly how that feels, actually. I feel kind of the same way. Luckily, I happen to be good at music, so I – but eh, not necessarily piano. So, But it really all started when we moved from Las Vegas to Kansas going into eighth grade. And my mom said, do choir one year, and if you don't like it, you can quit. And I said, okay. And my teacher was super awesome. She had a lot of energy. She helped me feel really successful. And I was blessed with a good ear and could match pitch really well. So I just, she was like, yeah, you're good at this. I said, cool. And there's girls in here. I was terrified of them, but they were there. And I was good at it. So I just kind of kept going with it. I mean, I was in men's chorus at first. And so that was, but like when I saw the auditions and stuff, but then it was mostly because I was good at it. You're good at it, and you're like, wait, if I get better, I can sing with girls? No comment, but maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But girls terrified me so much. I was was so terrified, I couldn't even. Ah. Anyway, that's another podcast probably. uh, So then it just kind of like kept snowballing. I just kind of kept doing sports and music, and it just like – then the next real catalyst into nerddom was when my friends and I watched the School of Rock – between ninth and tenth grade, and like the Jack Black movie, yeah, the Jack Black movie. And I was kind of a dictator type friend of like, okay, we're gonna start a band. You guys pick instruments. I'm gonna pick the drums. Let's buy them, and then we'll learn and we'll play. And I was like, no, we're going to do this. There's no debate. There's no like, this is our friendship now is revolving around this band. And we did, <laughs> and we like, it was insane. And so we just and so because of that class, I took all the choirs I could and took the the music theory class in high school and loved choir and just kind of like one thing just kind of led to another and it snowballed into as as obvious as one the natural course of falling in love with school of rock, you end up with early music as your 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 passion, so wait oh. <clears throat> I feel like we skipped a few <laughs> a few steps in there. <laughs> no, dude, it's so sequential uh, and obvious. It's so it's so obvious. I do there's one one spot I do want to touch on which is when did you decide to do this as a profession? It's mm, a good question. So when I was going into college, I didn't really think of what I wanted to do with my life really until after college, well, after my mission because for my before my two-year church mission, I was like, well, my, my life doesn't really count until after I get back anyway. So I just want to be in choir before I leave. So I'll just declare my major as music because I couldn't – I literally was like, well, I can't think of anything else. It was literally like there was no other option, but not out of this, like, insane driving passion out of – is there any other career? It was like a logical, there isn't any other job that I could possibly do. So then, so then I just, I wanted to be in choir, so I decided to declare as my major, went to BYUI, got into the, I was super lucky and got into the top choir there as a freshman, one of three freshmen. And we got so many cool performance opportunities. Then I got back and it was like time to really decide. And it was like, you know, I have, I, I take my faith really seriously, so I was like, well, God, if I'm not supposed to do this, uh, I'm just going to keep going until you stop me, and you should stop me by, like, helping 
me not get into these groups and stuff and not get this TA job for music theory and not and it just kept happening so I was like okay here I go <laughs> and just fell more and more and more in love with it you know so so it's cool awesome that's great that's cool I think uh, maybe a lot of people are in your same boat it just what like what else what else is there I've actually figured that out in adulthood mm. like uh, like I did music but then there was always these there were always these, these doubts, not doubts, but like, I'm interested in a lot of things, you know? Right, right. So I've always thought in the back of my mind, like, yeah, I could also do that. Like if my larynx was, I don't know, or, or removed or whatever, <laughs> what would I do? Laring, laring, laryngectomy? Laring, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there are several other things that I, you know, could do that I would love doing. And I've, you know, I've, I've pursued them. and it kind of ended up that yeah you know what it is in fact music that that yeah. i need to do so yeah it's wild i don't know how you get to that point it's kind of like it's kind of like when you ask someone who's this is a really weird analogy and i don't know if it's the best one but someone who like you know someone who's really struggling and they like yeah, never mind. That might be too dark. <laughs> it's like they turn to like having an eating disorder or something. Like, how did they get to that point? <laughs> like studying oh, and, music. How did they get to that point of studying they music? <laughs> they must have get... gone through serious trauma. How did he get to his <laughs> obsession with dead composers? <laughs> it does. Uh... It does seem like trauma is the only option to get you there. It's true. It's just when I do so many episodes about Jezwaldo. It's like, huh, weird. <laughs> do you watch serial killer shows too? Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> well, that's really funny. <clears throat> so uh, you mentioned you play hockey. I did actually want to talk about that. Uh, because you are perhaps unique. Um, well, you're definitely unique in the hockey thing, but... The more yeah, I, sure. I guess, I used to think that no choral people did anything but choral things. Yeah. And yeah. the older I get, the more people I meet, the more I realize that that's not exactly true. Yeah. But athleticism does not tend to to <laughs> correspond with choral nerd. <laughs> Music that one, ability. That one I I have noticed. Uh, as I'm I'm fairly athletic myself, I I have become obsessed with disc golf and. Uh, I did a lot of sports in high school and stuff, but uh, I still keep up my athleticism as much as I can, despite my obesity. But um, <laughs> wow! Anyway, I think that's one of the reasons we get along is because we're yeah. athletes and coral nerds. Yeah. Um, but my question is, first of all, why ice hockey? Me as an athlete, I don't get it. Ice hockey makes no sense. And two, <laughs> like, why didn't you pick like a a better sport to spend your Defend your sport is what I'm saying. A better, a better sport. Oh, no, it's true. <laughs> and a better sport. And then the follow-up is, um, do you I, – I believe it's important for all choral musicians to have a non-music-related hobby. Mm, yeah. So I just want you to segue into speaking on that after you defend your weird sport. Okay. I could defend my sport all freaking day. Okay. This is how it starts. Okay. So first of all, okay, there's like a serious answer, and then there's like a a passionate, a passionate, impassioned answer. 
We definitely all want the impassioned answer for the record. Okay, the serious answer comes first. The serious answer is me and my brother, when we were little, we would play ice hockey. We would play roller hockey in the street, but because we lived in Vegas, there's no ice anywhere. But there was a, there was like a, it's the equivalent of like a double A team, but they call it, uh, it was the IHL, I believe, International Hockey League, and it's the league right before, right under the pros. And so they played at the arena that my dad worked at. So we went to every single Thunder game, the Las Vegas Thunder, and it was incredible. And so then we would watch the Mighty Ducks, the movie, and then go to a Thunder game and then play NHL 2K or 98 or whatever it was on the PlayStation. And then we'd go out into the road with my baseball gear, my catcher's gear on with rollerblades and play hockey. My dad was so pissed that we totally destroyed all of his like catcher's gear, but because it's like road rash from the, but we'd rollerblade and play roller hockey in the street all the time, literally all the time. I never played in a league. Then when we moved to Kansas, we do it every once in a while, but it just kind of faded. And then it was, uh, it was the fall after uh, my divorce And my family and I went ice skating, and I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever done. (laughs) And I think there is, like, something therapeutic, like, genuinely. If anyone out there is struggling with, like, emotional health things, depression, go ice skating. I'm serious, because I think that the lack of friction, there's something literally therapeutic about it. You're like, it feels like you're flying. And it's just this freeing thing, you know? Anyway, and so my friend, my mom was telling her one of her coworkers about it, um, and he used to be the general manager of the ice rink. So he said, hey, me and my friends, we're all terrible skaters, get together on New Year's Day and do like a Stanley Cup, like with no pads or anything, we just play. So you should have Cameron come. So I came. It was so I – w- I didn't want to go. It was so early in the morning, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's New Year's Day. Like, uh, but I went, and after that, I was like, it, this is the single greatest activity that the race of humankind has ever come up with, and I will be doing this forever. <laughs> like, seriously, I was, I was instantly an addict, and I, so I, went, I bought skates. I signed up for the BYU hockey class that day for the next semester. Wow. Jeez, glad, you, uh, glad you went that day. Yeah, no, for real. I was thinking about it. That's the only non-music class I've ever taken in college, by the way, <laughs> or wow. education or education class. Mm-hmm. I guess religion too, because it was BYU, so we had to take religion. But yeah, it was the it was the only non-required <clears throat> class I took for master's or bachelor's degree, and went every Tuesday. Then I would have like classes, so I skated all day, like every day. Well, not all day, but I skated every day, like probably nine hours a week. And then I joined my friend's like city league team, and it's just been ever since then. Just this – I don't know what it is. It, it Maybe it's there's part of me that loves the fact that it's unique here, but it's it's just the, the controlled chaos, the self-governance of like, hey, I'm, I'm really tired. I'm going to go sit on the bench for a second. You don't even have to stop the game. You just go – you just wait for the time when it's not going to cause your team a, a disadvantage and you skate over it and you get off and then you can push each other around and you keep each other in check by fighting. And it's just 
and the the offsides and just the it's just so dude the ice oh man okay that's but we ended up dancer. we ended up at the impassioned dancer anyway so that was good yes i segued <laughs> into it in, intentionally but dude, that was nice. it's so good it's just amazing well i'm glad you have that so now yes. how does how does that uh help your choral experience that actually is a really good question. I know that's why I asked it. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, you should be on a podcast. Okay. I should. Yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> there's a couple answers. Number one, I think everyone needs some sort of hobby that's physical because there's something really emotionally healthy and physically healthy about physical exercise. I've noticed that, you know, in dealing with my own, like, OCD and other emotional anxieties and stuff that I take medication for, it's pretty, it's like a super mild dose, like borderline placebo at this point because it's so low. <laughs> but but still, I've noticed such a big difference in my mental and emotional health when I am eating better like taking care of my diet and exercising regularly and it's i i don't like i love going to the gym but everything i do at the gym is like hockey focused it's like geared towards skating faster developing better skills because i just want to get better at it because i want to play in better leagues it gives you a reason to exercise absolutely and and then in so doing i'm like so much more emotionally healthy and when I when I go approach like a rehearsal or or a performance or score study or searching for rep, there's something when I'm like in the zone searching for rep that's really isolating because I get like so close to it and so in the zone that everything else just goes away. And I love that feeling of, you know, flow, quote unquote. But at the same time, it me feeling really isolated is not good for my emotional health. So like I then going and doing something physical, especially hockey, it's that really high heart rate, high adrenaline. It kind of like recenters me and helps me come at it again. And so some of the best, some of the best like rep searching sessions or score study or composition sessions come literally when I've gone to the rink that morning or something because I'm, I'm just at this more healthy level, you know. So, but I could talk about, I think, diet. I think what we eat, especially in America, like has so such a high effect on not only our emotional health, but we could talk about a whole podcast about how it affects the voice and hormones and like where all the real bases went. So, but we can save that and yeah. find some real research. But anyway. So hockey really is it's a great emotional like it's something that I need to do because of my it how much it helps my physical and mental health. That's uh I I totally agree. I like I said I've I've taken up disc golf. It was mostly a covid project. I've I've no like you know fancy backstory with my brother as a kid uh playing <laughs> disc golf. I just I had nothing better to do during COVID. So it was a pretty distanced sport. So, yeah, one of the few sports that was okay to do during a pandemic because you don't have to get near anybody. So I go like with my, weirdly enough, with my brother. And, 
and we'd play and it was just i think it was a the social aspect b mm. being outside in the sun yeah. you know and then doing something physical it's not like i'm not like working up a huge sweat but i mean some of those courses you're like you're hiking up you know yeah big old hills downhills you're throwing as hard as you can you know 100 times around yeah it's not it's no joke anyway and i can i can second what you say though that it, it definitely helps your brain helps my mental health it's been one of the best things I could I've done for my mental health. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Um, but having a purpose to my exercise lately, this last couple of weeks, I've been annoyed with how my like, you know, in disc golf you try to throw really far. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been trying to throw further and further, but it's not quite working. So mm-hmm. I looked up, you know, I've been looking up technique things, and long story short, I realized that part of the problem is. I don't have much core strength because I have too much of the uh, rolls. <laughs> and, insulation. Uh, the insulation. insulation for the cold, my friend. And also, I have no flexibility, right? But mm. you're supposed to be able to like twist your hips really fast. Anyway, so I've been stretching my hips and planking. Dude, nice. Right? Every day. And I did it for about a week. I went out to throw... And not even getting every single throw, even my short throws were 50 feet further. Dude, that's awesome. And I did nothing different in my form. I just did a plank every day and stretched my hips. Yeah. But then I went to singing. I was teaching a voice lesson and I was not warmed up. And uh, he asked about like passaggio through the, you know, into the high notes or whatever. And I said, well, it's like this. And I went, "Ah." and I hit this B, uh, which I can, (laughs) I've always, you know, I can, I can hit a B just fine, but, um, it just kind of came out. I didn't do all the necessary prep. I was just kind of like hitting it to be like, it's this note. Huh? And, yeah. uh, and it came out so, so, so much with so much less effort than normal. <laughs> and then I looked down at the rolls and I thought, you know what? Maybe, maybe there are fewer rolls and maybe my planking has helped my, my singing. Dude, and that's, and that's actually the motivation behind uh, that's awesome. this question of mine here. I don't doubt that for a second, actually. Yeah, I, exercise that your helps. physical health totally and your exercise totally helps your... Well, and your, your physical and your mental health are going to affect your music, you know. Always. Hugely. Anyway, cool. Great discussion. Yeah, fun. that's legit. It was legit. Hockey and early music, my two passions. <clears throat> brought together in one beautiful marriage of chaos. Well, along with that, I also have this dream of being a professional disc golfer and a professional choir singer. And just so I can put like both of those on a business card, <laughs> you know, like show up to some guy. And he's like, oh, oh, you, you, you need my number. Here, here you go. I don't know why I switched to a British accent, but uh, here, here you are. He says, you're a professional Disc golfer and choir singer. Well, what would I ever need to call you for? Oh, when you need Bolt. it. <laughs> when you need it, you know who to call, okay? Dude, that is the most epic. <laughs> you just walk around ACDA with autographed discs. <laughs> yeah. I'll print like a Jeswaldo score onto the disc. Onto the disc. That's your signature disc. <laughs> I can't. I can't. That's actually a really good idea. That I'm would totally, be epic. <laughs> I'm totally going to get somebody to do that for me. 
Oh, man. I love that idea. Okay, do it. You have to do it. Okay. So back to more focused music talk. Um, have you heard the game uh, Kiss, Mary Kill? Kiss, Mary or Kill. Okay. Well, Mm-mm. essentially, you get like three celebrities. You know, I'll say like Anna Kendrick. Uh, I can't think oh. of a single celebrity right now off the top of my head. Scarlett Johansson and whoever. And then I say, kiss, marry, or kill. And you have to choose which, which one, one of them has to be assigned to one. Yeah. Marry or kill. Gotcha. That's the game. So I decided to alter that game to more of a uh, Dude, uh, I'm, I'm so here choral setting. So what I've changed it to is perform, dissertate, convince. Okay. So perform, meaning like you're going to do a set of their music in your concert or something. Okay. Okay. Dissertate, you know what that means. You have to write a full PhD dissertation on this composer. So you're going to spend a lot of time with them, a lot of time listening to their music, but you might not even ever really perform it because it's like a yeah. PhD dissertation, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then the last one is convince someone else to never perform them. Wow, okay. So you have to like perform, come up with... Dissertate. Perform, dissertate, or convince... convince. Okay, and I have three sets of these, uh, and we're calling the first set. Um, I'm going to go with with late Baroque, early classical. Okay. Okay. Mozart, J.S. Bach, Beethoven. Okay. I feel like these are going to get us canceled. Then I talk about cancel culture. <laughs> I'm not worried about any of the social issues. I'm worried about these answers. Uh, nope, I love this because. Uh, you have to pick. <laughs> you have to pick someone to convince someone else to never perform. And, okay, honestly, in this set, convince never to perform is Beethoven. I knew you were going to say that. I almost removed him because I knew it was you. Were it was say like it. such an easy thing. Okay, Cameron then, has a weird thing against Beethoven. We're going to do a podcast episode about that sometime. <laughs> I don't know why. It just doesn't. I'm just like oh, it's so self indulgent Anyway, canceled. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. Okay, and then uh, perform Mozart and dissertate Bach. Okay. Okay. That was a pretty close one, but I figured I, that would. I yeah. just like love. I love the elegance of like performing Mozart's music, and I love Bach. But I'm in a place where it's like I need to study more about him and his music. I need to like study it more than perform it per se. So nice. Okay, we're going uh, back a, f- a couple hundred years. Bird, Jeswaldo, Talus. Okay. What? Okay. <laughs> you Okay. We're getting into the mind of Cameron, okay? Like, which one of these do you value the most? Which one of these do you want to spend the most time with? And which one of these is less than the other two? Uh, okay. This might... Okay. This might blow your mind. Man. Okay. Just knee-jerk reaction. I would probably even be able to change my own mind in five seconds. <laughs> so we're just going to go with nope. it and not look back. Okay. Convince not to perform Jezwaldo. Waldo. Whoa. We've mentioned because... his name six times in this podcast already. 
because doing it justice is really difficult. Okay, 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 okay. And it has to be done right or not at all. Oh, it's one of those like all or nothing kind of composers? Yeah. Because if it's out of tune or not good, then it the audience is like, what the heck was that? Okay, then Talus perform Bird Dissertate. Nice. Because of his like underground Catholicism thing. I think there's a lot. There's like a lot to that, his personal beliefs, you know. So a lot of interesting things to study. Yeah. All right, not if that anything, there's not with Talus, but still. If anything is gonna get us canceled, it's this next one. Oh my. Um Arvo Pert, Eric Whitaker, Bob Chilcott. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Keep in the mind thing- <laughs> there's very little chance that any of those three are listening right now. So uh <laughs> oh, but mate, but we've had Eric on the show, and we might have Bob Chilcott on the show. So oh, we might. That's amazing. Well, I don't know. I haven't reached out to him yet, but we should. We should. <laughs> You're right. And convince someone else to perform could be like a temporary thing. You know, like for that concert, yeah. I don't think you should do that. You know, it doesn't have to be yeah. like a terrible thing. Yeah. <laughs> this is stupid. Ah. <laughs> uh. You're like you're like laughing into your hand the whole time. I could hear the like. I am. <laughs> Just because I know how much pain I'm putting you through right now. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> not <laughs> okay. Perform a set. I can't. Because <laughs> each of their their songs are so like their styles are so distinct, you know that you'd have to. So they're okay. You just you like them all. A set. It's fine. Okay. You can break the rules. It's fine. With my high school, <clears throat> perform a set of Eric Whitaker. Great. Dissertate Arvo Pert to them, like dissertate to them. Okay. Okay. And then convince Bob Chilcott because. Bob Chilcott is fairly similar to, I mean, he's definitely, he des- definitely has incredible chops, but it's very si- in the same vein as like a lot of other contemporary composers. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Stylistically. Yeah. But then to Sound of Ages, perform Bob Chil- Arvo, sorry, perform Arvo Pert. Dissertate Bob Chilcott and convince Eric Whitaker. Oh, I get it. I totally get it because it's just different settings for different times. Yeah, because Bob Chilcott's career is so fascinating that I would love to see how his singing influences writing and to to write about that and to study that in the background would be amazing. Well, my answer would be perform Bob Chilcott. Mm. Actually, really, even though he's kind of in the same vein of, you know, the others you were talking about. I yeah. still love his flavor on it. I do too. His counterpoint's so good. <clears throat> and I would uh I probably dissertate I would want to study Whitaker. I know that there's Yeah. He's kind of famous, but like there's it's just like how I want to study how he did it. Yeah. It's I think maybe that's it's totally valid. Maybe it's too much credit, maybe it's not enough, I don't know, but he kind of he sort of single-handedly revived choral music. 
Dude, no joke. I think he, I firmly believe that he did. I do too. I I just don't want to take anything away from others who helped him along the way, but it's just like Eric Whitaker made singing cool again. Yeah. Which makes it, which would make it so interesting to study. Just like how, how. Like where, where, where the choral culture was at the time that it was like, because you know, there's a book called The Art of Impossible. It talks about how, like working through like how to achieve the impossible. And there is a part of it that talks about like your circumstances and luck play a big part of it. But then this is what you have to do to be ready for that. Right. And so it's all about what's in your control, but there is a little caveat that it's luck and, and I feel like the stars aligned and he was like ready to just grab it by the horns when it was there. Well, he was ready, but he did it so so intelligently. Like he he yeah, he he made a new he made a new style. Like what we know today is like contemporary choral music, like chamber choral music. Mm-hmm. He's just like I'm going to invent this new thing. Which composers are trying to invent new things all the time, but he did it so subtly. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, you can put a three against a four, and it's like okay. Not only is it okay, but like high school students think it's the most you know, neat thing they've ever heard. (laughs) And it's actually doable by high school students and not. Yeah. It's all like the, the part writing is so good that like, yeah, like a normal human being can sing it. Yeah. And they can achieve these like sweet chords. Yeah. So cool. I could go on a tangent about that for so long. Maybe we should. I don't know. I think we totally should. It's just so interesting. Like how, because now i mean history has been changed he's one of the every composer tries that's their goal like i want to change this or you know maybe not maybe it's make money or right right in in the back of every they want to be remembered they want to remember yeah it's like eric whitaker like if you think about the number of people that do that do his stuff the amount of money he's made on it the amount of like world renowned attention he's gotten like like, this influence he's had on like eric whitaker is literally bigger than Bird or Handel or yeah. Beethoven ever were. You know, it's it's crazy. Yeah, at, and in it's their time, because of, right? Because of technology. Yeah, it's obviously, like not even cl- it's not even close. But not even close. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm curious. I, I obviously won't know, but I, I want to fast forward 300 years and see. Mm. You know, if yeah. there's if they're doing Eric Whitaker, are they, are they still like, are they studying it? Is it still yeah. being performed? That would be a super fascinating question to ask some other like conductor guests of like what composers that are composing right now. Do you like, if you fast forwarded three fast forwarded 300 years, what composers from today are still being performed then? That's, that's a very interesting. Yeah question because that... you because you have to look at you have to look at the techniques what what is timeless about the past just like a, the the episode a couple episodes episodes ago with dr jesse Roden about joss gan and how he was he was like the eric whitaker of the day where the printing press was invented and his style and his like renownedness his influence spread like more than anybody's so we still study Josquin as the father of really the modern era of music. But how how did we get 
you know, all of these things. What made him so timeless? Okay. What makes Eric Whitaker's music in the future tense going to be timeless? What makes Bach timeless? What do we need to do? If we're going to create somehow timeless music, what do we need to do? Yeah, it's a fascinating conversation. It is fascinating. Like, you look at, like, Bach, you know, and you're, and you see him, I, I see him just sitting there in his in his living room on his piano, just, like, writing music for his church choir. Yeah. And, you know, he, of course, had no idea we would be talking about it in 2022. Yeah, it was a small town church with small town church choir. Terrible Some... singers that he had to throw chalk at, like, you well, joking I, me? Yeah. It's just, and, and I'm sure there was a, a guy in the church next door doing the exact same thing. Yeah. That no one has or ever will hear about, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. I was like, why why him? Yeah. Dang. Dude, that, was, really that was an epic. That was an epic. I feel like my soul hurts. Because <laughs> of the, the perform dissertation. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should just plan Sound of Ages' next concert to be all nine of those composers. <laughs> uh, well, I definitely wanted to do nine composers that you uh, that I knew you liked. Yeah, did oh, excellent. Wow, it was okay. good. I have a uh, I have a kind of a lightning round prepared. I want you to think as little as possible. I'm just gonna. This is just me. Like this is Stevie just being curious. Nice. Uh, I just want your opinion off the top of your head. You can text me. Your, your this is changes, dangerous. <laughs> changes to answers later. So first question is, what is your favorite era of choral music? Renaissance. I probably could have guessed that one. <laughs> Name your top three um, living composers. Owen Park. Okay, let me clarify first. In terms of like who I like to listen to as like, man, I just love their stuff or I don't like to perform or who I think is like stellar. Uh, let's go with the last one. Okay, Owen Park, Eric Whitaker, and I feel like I'm uh, Arvo Parrott because he's still alive. Yeah. Uh, same style of question three best living conductors Ooh. in oh okay so in terms of like the the aesthetic beauty of their gesture yes or the product of their ensemble no because some of that you can you can kind of cheat in that yes you can like i can pay world-class performers and like you know barely wave my hand Okay, okay, fair. You can pay uh, world-class performers and then do amazing things with your hand, just to clarify. But Yeah. Um, and rehearsal technique is like how you rehearse and stuff. Yep. Oh, man, that's so hard. And I'm going to not do any inst like symphony conductors. Yeah, yeah, choral. First of all, first of all, because I don't know as many of them as I should, and then second of all, because we're talking about choir stuff. Okay, yep. number one. Oh, man. Even though I have a... Okay. 
I don't even know, dude. <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, I think I think Craig Hella Johnson looks great on the podium oh. and is very clear and super expressive and artistic, has great musicality. I love Craig Hella Johnson. Yeah, I think he's fantastic. Great conductor. If you're yeah. listening, I would love to sing for you someday. Please, please hire me. <laughs> please, please hire both of us. I'll, I'm not as good of a singer. I'll just I'll, I'll, I'll hire be us the both. coffee boy. <laughs> <laughs> we can be hired for different reasons, or I'll compose something. Oh, there you it's go. Whatever. It's whatever. <laughs> and uh, I also think Josh Haberman is brilliant. Mm. I think Josh Haberman is absolutely brilliant. And even though I have different philosophies now. I think Dr. Staley's conducting looks beautiful. Dr. Like, Ronald and he, Staley. He got exactly what he wanted from those singers. And, like, he just – it was just so elegant and graceful and – It is very pretty. It's also so – it's very clear and it's very mm-hmm. – it's very effective. Yeah, totally effective, totally clear, really beautiful. Very expressive. And very super artistic, yeah. I'm the type of conductor where if it's wrong, I will like sing it at you. Yeah. You know, even if yeah. I'm, even if my hands do the correct thing, I like. But he did. He never, ever, ever, ever needs to. He just. Yeah. Totally. Does it again with his hand. Yeah, and again, I'm I'm very ignorant in the world of choral conductors, especially in America, because I haven't seen enough. <clears throat> and the British conductors, I love them, bless their souls, but their gesture is a little bit less it just hasn't had it as a degree as long where it's like you go to study conducting most of them study organ or singing and then just mm-hmm. kind of wave their arms and the ensemble just knows how to sing together so it's not it's not really the same art form in England like the art of conducting a choir is I not agree. even the same as it is here so that's why it's, I didn't yes. include any UK people either Totally. It's it's just it's not like a fair comparison, yeah. Yeah. Um this one might be too hard, I don't know. Three best um I have singers written. Um <laughs> it's very broad. So I think I'm gonna I'm, we're gonna stick to choir, we're gonna go of course, I don't even know if you know. Whatever. What do you What do you have for best choral singers? Uh, I don't know very enough of them to like. I, I was kind of worried about that as I as I looked at this question. Now, I I'll say my number one. Okay. The number one greatest singer in the entire universe is Adrian Peacock. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say that because <laughs> we've talked about him all the time. I've I fangirl about him <laughs> all the time. All the time. I will also say Martha McLaurinin. Oh. She is, so she was on the show, and she is. Uh, I don't actually know her. She's in the Tenebris so and all of good. those groups. She is <laughs> phenomenal. She does this, uh, well, anyway, there's a, uh, when, Tenebrae came to BYU to do Path of Miracles. They did this like spiritual, I think, and she did the solo, and it was like, lo- like tenor notes, and then high soprano, and it was so cool. it was stupid good. It was stupid good, and then she's on the the Drowned Lovers. Do you know that piece yeah. by um, 
Freak, who's a bi. It's right on the tip of my tongue. Judith Bingham, she's the soloist on that on that Tenebrae album. It's awesome. She's so good. Very, so very I'd cool. put I'd put her in it. Okay. Do you ever listen to? Uh, yeah, it's fine. I I <laughs> realized that question was a little difficult. <laughs> do you ever listen to non uh, choral music? Yes. Um, who is your favorite non classical singer? Mm. <laughs> uh, artists. So I love Queens of the Stone Age and Muse and some stoner rock. But I also love Post Malone. I'm just gonna oh, say it. I okay. love Post Malone. Nice. Just like, and I love Ed Sheeran and Garth okay. Brooks. I just <laughs> keep going, man. <laughs> got all over the place, man. All over the place. <laughs> we got some some rock, some hip hop, some country. Yep. Nice. And Bears Den is a British folk band. Saw them in concert. They're amazing. That's awesome. I've, I, okay. You were very equipped for that. Uh, that question. I, that, it, that that the answer to that question. Full credit. Full disclosure. Goes one hundred percent to my wife Liz, who's introduced me to all of that. So as much as I've introduced her to Victoria and Palestrina, Victoria, who she so <laughs> lovingly calls Angelina because she can't remember his name. <laughs> Wait, isn't this by that one guy, Angelina? Jolie or something? <laughs> yeah, Victoria, <Angelina>. yes. <laughs> and that she's yep. introduced me to to all of these peeps. So my wife, my wife did the same thing, actually. She's she's a dance teacher. Oh, yeah. So, so she's she needs all about to, that. She has to know, like, at all times who the hip people are. And Yes. Anyway, she's introduced me to all kinds of people. Our, we still use iTunes for her dance stuff, and it is nice. the most eclectic playlist <laughs> yeah, dude. I've ever seen. <laughs> Because she'll buy she'll buy like you know eight songs every semester, yeah. But each one of them has a different purpose. Like she wants like a moody right. song, so she chooses like a folk indie kind of thing, and then she chooses yeah. like a like the newest hip hop from like Pitbull. You know, <laughs> yeah, like it's so eclectic, but it's it's kind of nice. And I've I've fallen in love with a lot of those uh, those artists. It's been yeah, it's cool. Been fun. I think there's value in in that. Just like the exercise conversation, I think there's value to listening to other stuff as well. Oh yeah, I totally agree. Some of them are really good songwriters. You find because really, music is just kind of like what I've talked about with Andrew before. Is it's just the choreography of sound. So like, sound holds together in certain ways. So how do they organize it to hold together? I think there's a lot classical music can learn from pop music and vice versa. I think there's a lot of fluff in the pop world, obviously, but, but, you know, what holds a pop song together? Same thing that holds a classical piece together. Yeah. True. And, and this one's harder to relate, but a lot of the, a lot of techniques you learn in classical singing do yeah. make someone like Garth Brooks has so much like oh, core yeah. things that he's doing correctly. Kelly Clarkson does yeah. so many things right. But then yeah. they put their own, like, you know, culturized flavor on it, you know. Yeah. Well, and then it's a conversation I have, my, have with my AP Music Theory students all the time of what's primal and, like, universal <laughs> in terms of what makes music good or what makes music hold together. And then what's aesthetic and style. And so I think the same thing, not only with composition and the construction of music and the performance of music, 
with there's these primal like uh, primal elements that whether you're singing Garth Brooks, Ella Fitzgerald, Post Malone, whatever, or Bach, Handel, uh, Donizetti, there's primal elements that are connected that are the same, and then there's very there's varying degrees of aesthetic style elements on top of those primal elements. Um, so Cameron and I have spent a lot of time geeking over, nerding out over Path of Miracles. Yes. <laughs> I happen to know it's one of your favorite pieces, if not your most favorite, and it's definitely one of my most favorite as well. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll share a quick experience. I... So I have a bunch of nieces and nephews, about 30 or something. Jeez. And uh, I was on a long trip. I was going from Nebraska to Southern Joplin. It took about, or Southern Missouri. It took about six hours. Uh, and it was just me and my like 16 year old niece and my 13 year old nephew. Yeah. Uh, for this, for the six hours. And they had so many questions. It was actually really cool. They had so many questions about choral music and classical music and shaping why. young minds. Yeah, it, it, but it was I. It was completely unprompted. Cool. Uh, they asked about the professional singing world. They asked about and and there to clarify, they are not like they're nearly anti musicians. Like they're not, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> um perfect they're yeah they're just not they don't they don't they don't music let's just say that <laughs> yeah uh which is why they were just so curious about it like how does my uncle do this at all yeah anyway um so because our conversation got so in-depth and lasted so long i ended up uh, referencing path of miracles a bunch of times because at the time i had actually just performed it with brevitas Choir. Mm. yeah that's right uh, it was probably like I don't know, four or five months prior to that, which is one of the pivotal moments of my musical career. So yeah. fun just because Dude. of the piece itself. Dude, it's just, it, it, I mean, it, whether, whether it's, again, I, I love that performance. I, it, it's hard to judge it to Tenebrae because it's like, okay, well, yeah, a little, there's this a little musical unfair. perfection. It's not really fair, but I thought you guys did it so, like, it was awesome. It was and so to, to have been a part of it. I'm just, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. I'm just proud to like have been able to, like yeah, physically. Like my voice held up, and I was like, you know what? That's like a, that's a beast. That, <laughs> that is, is a beast of a song. That is Everest. That literally, is, like, if you like, equate it to someone who's a hiker, that's going to summit Everest. I think you know. Yeah. In the choral singing. Realm. So it's so fun. Anyway, so it was very fresh on my mind. Uh, so I kept referencing it, and they kept asking about it, and I was like, "Yeah, you don't like you don't want to bother hearing it because it won't make sense." And I kept like brushing it off until finally the the sixteen year old niece was like, "Okay, just like shut up and tell us, like show us." I was like, "Okay, fine." <laughs> That's the most sixteen year old thing ever. Like, just shut up and tell us, Uncle Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeez, why do you have to talk so much? Just stop it. <laughs> Maybe it was she was just trying to get me to shut up. She wanted something to listen to. <laughs> Anyway, so we, I put it on, but like before I pushed play, I had like 
disclaimer after disclaimer. I was like, this is what's going to happen. This is what, you know, and I was almost like, I don't know what embarrassed is the wrong word. I, w- I was, I just knew they weren't going to like it, you know? Yeah. Right. Anyway. So I just, I, I wanted to defend my piece by having them not even listen to it. <laughs> right. Which is weird. Right. Anyway. No, it's normal. So I turned it on and of course it starts with. <laughs> That was actually, we did pretty good right there. <laughs> Sounded just like it. Um, you know, it's like two and a half minutes of gargling. <laughs> the overtone singing, like the didgeridoo yeah. is happening. Yeah. And and they, I was like, gonna, I was trying to do the fast forwarded version and they kept like slapping my hand. And I'm like, all right, I'll listen to it. I'll listen to it. I love it. I think it's amazing. It was super fun to do. Anyway, then we get to the... Like showing someone that you're something that you're really passionate about, but it's pretty eclectic. So you're like, you don't have to listen to the whole thing. We'll just fast forward to the end. Well, yeah, it's like you're, you're, you're feeling vulnerable, you know, your passion yeah. on the line, you know? Yeah, totally. Anyway, and I, I was like, okay, I kept telling them like, you just got to wait. Cause because of this, the climax is so cool, you know, like, and then it's, ah, Santiago, you know, the yeah. big be natural oh, man. from everyone. <laughs> and, uh, it's so good. Anyway. And I remember their faces. We get to the, Get to that downbeat, uh, and their fate like their jaw just dropped, and they're like, "Whoa, like where did that even come from?" And I'm like, "You were it was building up for two and a half minutes, and it still seems like it comes out of nowhere." Yeah. Anyway, it enticed them enough that uh, they kept listening. They kept listening, and then they kept asking me like, "What does that mean? What does that mean?" Luckily, I had just performed it, so all the translations were fresh mm, in my yeah. mind. Um. So I was able to translate them the whole story and in between the movements, I would pause and like talk about the story of the next movement. And we got to movement two, yeah. which if you're familiar with the piece is like the quote unquote strange one. And, yeah. uh, and they like, were totally the into it. They're, well, and they're just like, I can feel the pain. Like it's weird. Like I can, it's almost like I can hear their, their, their wounds. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? The 13 year old, boy who's never done an ounce of music in his life just said that you know <laughs> yeah it's so good anyway long so story good. short they listened to the entire thing with like minimal distractions or commenting only like relevant questions they got to the end we talked about it for like an hour afterwards about like how fun it was and like why it's cool and talked about the composition i even like replayed parts of different movements dude it's and, awesome uh, anyway Teaching and a then, little musicology class I did in the van. We turned our like six hour ride into this, you know, musicology session and it was super fun. So then I like had that experience and it, it kind of taught me to like be proud of my weirdness. Yeah. Um, So I ended up showing a few more people and then a few more people and then a few more people. And I've, I've personally um, proselytized path of miracles. (laughs) I feel like Joby Talbot should pay you. Some royalties, for probably, that. probably should <laughs> some marketing fees or something. If you're listening, I'll send you my email. Okay. <laughs> um, to like, you know, I don't know. I'm up to like a dozen people now who are all like non-coral people. Coral people don't count, of course. Right, right. Uh, anyway, and then there's the one. I it was just recent. It was like two months ago, and I just like went straight for it. She's like, "So what do you do?" And I'm like, "Oh, let me show you this piece." Boom, and I just like went for it. And we listened to the whole thing together. I translated it for her while we were going. I showed her like the text painting part of it. And um, 
she texted me a couple days ago and she's like uh promise to never tell anyone about this i'm like what she's like Voges 8, Tenebrae, Polyphony, The 16 are all <laughs> on my playlist now, and I listen to them daily. Yes. And I'm like, yes. She's a, she's a, a, a biology student, a PhD in biology. Anyway. Dude. Uh, but it just shows me, th- these experiences just show me the power of like really good composition. Yeah. And really good, just when, when stuff just works. It like doesn't it just transcends genres, you know, like it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you're like rap music, you can still like Path of Miracles. It doesn't matter if you like country, you can still like uh, you know, Beethoven. I guess if you're obsessed with early music, you can't like Beethoven, apparently, Cameron, but um You're right. Yep. Anyway. You cannot. <laughs> so that is my long lead in to just say I get do you have any any comments about any of that any of this subject yeah i think and i think passion your passion people there's a there's an amazing video by simon sinek i've talked about i've talked about this book particularly and about simon sinek more broadly several times on the podcast but he wrote a book called start with why and he has a ted talk about it about like the golden circle is what he calls it and so the golden circle is the middle is why the next level is how and then the outside of the circle the outer circle is what and uh he says over and over again people don't care what you do they care why you do it and he talks about the success of apple and how it's like they don't tell people what they do first in their marketing they tell people why they do it first before they've even mentioned it we believe in upsetting the status quo and make that's what they believe in. That's their why statement. Their what's their how is we make this by creating products that are innovative and user friendly. We make computers. Do you want to buy one? Instead of Microsoft's model, which is we make computers, they're user friendly and innovative. We believe in X, Y, or Z. And so people but people don't care what you what you do. They care why you do it. And so I think I think Composers whose conviction is very clearly in their music is probably the first step. But then their craft has to be timeless in their technique of their like of true counterpoint because there are primal principles that hold music together. The golden ratio of whatever the golden mean is or whatever that that the Fibonacci sequence, that's not just some like cool idea. That exists everywhere in nature. How far the planets are apart, tree rings, snail conch shells, like everywhere that exists in nature. So it exists in music too. So you combine that passion of what someone who like someone is conveying a strong, even if the piece is fluffy, like some of these Renaissance madrigals that are very sexual and inappropriate, mm-hmm. but they. They have a very strong why. They're saying, if you don't love me, I'm going to kill myself. Like Kelly from The Office. Like, (laughs) if if I get to stay, Ryan is laid off, I will kill myself. (laughs) Like Romeo and Juliet, the Clara Danes one. (laughs) Anyway, but like, it's like they had a really strong why, and then they crafted it so well to tell that story that people are just drawn in. 
And so I think music that's timeless has those two things. That has a very strong why. The composers themselves or each piece itself, doesn't matter. One-hit wonders have a strong why. Might be hard to figure out what it is, but clearly it's there. And then it's it's crafted very well based on like primal principles of consonance versus dissonance, form, textures, balance, pace, you know, all those things. So is this, when I think of Cameron Kavanaugh, one of the most impressive things I, I, I think of is, well, so I got the, if you don't know, I got the chance to be his student teacher. Oh yeah. That was so fun. Eight, Those when he junior was high kids teaching that at junior high, right? Best, man. And I was like, my, in my mind, it was like, okay, we're going to go and I'm going to hang with Cameron. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. And we're going to do some music. And then I walked <laughs> in and I walked in like in the middle of like a, in the middle of a thing. So he was kind of yeah. going and I uh, just kind of, you know, snuck in. Yeah. And he said, all right, let's turn to, um, I think it was Zvalink. Let's turn to the Zvalink. And uh, <laughs> immediately, like 10 of them start like cheering. They're like, yes, we got to sing Zvalink. <laughs> and I just like yeah. stopped dead in my tracks. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I don't even say that. You're right. You're right. So it's sad. So I get to like, and then I, I visited your schools, you know, a dozen times now. Yeah. And like all your students, maybe not all, but like most of your students are like obsessed with <laughs> early music. Yeah. So I, obviously part of it is your passion, but like, how do, how do, how do people, how, let me, let me, let me, I have this question written down. I want to, I thought about how to word this. Okay, how do you get your students to cheer for dead composers? Like, what is the journey? How confident are you that you can get a student to fall in love with with them? Like, when you when you meet a student, it, is it your first? You like look at them in the eyes and you grab them on the shoulders and you're like, <laughs> "You will love failing." You don't know what you're in for. You have <laughs> no idea how far back we're gonna go. <laughs> you don't even know what history is. I guess I'm looking for like how does a how does a, a choir teacher who's listening to this podcast get people to like mm. it, get their students that's, to like it? That's a really good question. So I I yeah, it is. That's why I asked it. <laughs> this guy, the master of questions. This guy. <laughs> so I did an interest session for ACDA Utah a couple years ago called "Making Early Music Lit" because "lit" was the cool term of the, remember all the that. kids and. uh it's really based on three, uh, the, the, the Sound of Ages approach, which is our educational outreach program of like getting kids stoked about the hashtag dead composer society, like is <laughs> something that helps them. So, and we've done surveys of the schools that we've done it at actually, and it's been really cool to see their feedback and their feedback is, we loved watching Sound of Ages singers perform, and I loved your historical presentation. And I was like, you like the PowerPoint? Like, this is pretty primitive. We're not <laughs> doing anything groundbreaking yet. But, so, this is what I'd say. It helps to be a little bit of a comedian, kind of. It helps, but it's well, there's not some charisma. There's some charisma yeah. needed. Yeah, but it actually is less crucial than you think. 
And I think the fundamental elements is to help them see the connection between the historical aspect and their, their music today, connect the two, connect the dots, using the most fundamental musical elements, just like what we talked about. Okay, well, there's this, there's this counter, there's this melodic line that comes up and then it comes down. Guess what else comes up and comes down? Gravity. That's why this is so fun to sing. Oh, look, it's in this piece. It's in this piece. It's in this piece. It's in this piece. So then you've taught them one, like, I, I want to make a periodic table of musical elements of, like, pitch, rhythm, line, balance, like, all these, like, really basic fundamentals. And if you can help them see that in the music everywhere, oh, look, why do you love this Post Malone song or Taylor Swift? Oh, because she follows gravity and it goes up and then comes down. We like that. Humans like that. So then you can help them see those cool elements that they like that are in new music and that are in old music and help them see how it's still relevant. And then number two, it's based on really good vocal production. When they feel like they can sing those lines and it teaches them to sing a line really well, when they feel like, man, I, I sang that and it was so fun to sing and everyone has the melody, they all love to sing melodic material. So then they can, they all feel like I'm making really good progress on my vocal technique while I'm singing my melody. And then the third aspect is ensemble singing of like, can you really like sing it together with no conductor? And most of these kids, it's something they've never done before. So then they feel like, whoa, you guys, I'm awesome. And just like me when I was a kid, if they could feel like they have success, they'll love it. If, if, if they feel successful at it, nine times out of ten, they're going to stick with it as at least a serious hobby because having success feels good. Everyone wants success. So having them see the historical context is one. Number two, helping them have really good, healthy vocal production. And number three, teaching them to sing like as an ensemble with ensemble singing responsibility. Those are like the three ways that I find really help the students latch on to this kind of thing. So singing, what was your first point again? Um, helping them understand historical context. Okay, but in like that you were relevance. you were talking about like actual oh, notes. So the... so pick pick an element. There there's there's elements, uh, all, the elements all over the okay. place. Yeah, like pick a musical element like like even the idea of texture. You're singing all at the same time. Cool. Now look, you have your own line while well, they have their own line, this polyphonic idea. Do you see when it like clashes and then when it comes apart? Yeah. That's so, you take, so awesome. I mean, and you take whatever music they like and then mm -hmm. liken it to this stuff. Yeah, and I'll pick a piece that is historical and then we'll start singing it. And then after a minute, I'm like, but look at how cool this part is. Like, this is why that's so cool. Oh, do you hear that chord? Oh, do you hear how your line moves? Uh, do you hear how it's like, all of a sudden it's really, it's low, and then all of a sudden the basses drop out and it's really high? Dang, that's just like in this song when the beat drops. The, was just saying, the, say, beat, the, beat, drop. the yeah. beat just dropped. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, or whatever. So then you, you show the elements in the, real, in, the, in the song you're singing first, and then you say, well, it's kind of like this. I was listening to T Swizzle the other day. It totally is the same, or whatever, you know. <laughs> and just just you calling that section the 
you know, the bass drop or the beat drop. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, they start to like have fun with it. They're like, oh, yeah. 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 And the bass is Don't like, know spot, Jim. Dude, the beat, beat drums are literally beat, beat drums. Love you. Goes bum, ba da, ba ba. They're just like rocking out. I'm like, okay, guys, we're in a performance. Like, you got to stop like <laughs> moving around. I don't know if the latency, uh, I was on beat in case the latency made it uh, not not seem like my tempo was right. I had full faith in you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> professional singer. Hashtag Zoom sucks. No, it doesn't. It's fine. <laughs> Actually, I'm surprised at how successful this is. Well, yeah. that's really interesting and really cool. I think um, I, I think you should you should like write something like a article or a handout or or I don't know something that people can have because. Because you got a gift there, my friend. Getting well, kids to like it. Hey, thanks. I I didn't really, I really haven't thought too much about it other than I just love it and I love my students and I love showing them cool stuff that I get excited about. So it just happens to be something that's relatively niche. So yeah, that's really fun. Well, you're a you're a neat dude, and I'm happy to uh, happy to be here with you on dude, this podcast. Thanks, Stevie. You're literally the best. No, this has been way fun. Kind of uncomfy, cool. but fun. A little bit uncomfortable. It was a little bit uncomfortable for me too, but also we had we had fun. I learned a lot. Yeah. I think it'll help us moving forward into the co-hosting dynamic. You know what I'm saying? I think so too. It's uh it's been a valuable experience for me. Yeah. Me too. It's good. I think you have a lot a lot of good stuff to share. Hey, thanks, man. I'm glad we could uh, share it. And we will do. I'm promising you now. I'm going to use my influence in this podcast to uh, <laughs> guarantee that someday we will have a whole episode on why Cameron <laughs> does not like Beethoven. <laughs> Maybe I could do that thing that that one internet meme with the change my mind and just sit there and say, Beethoven yeah. sucks, change my mind. <laughs> And we'll just let everybody just roast the crap out of me who <laughs> wants to. Hey, I'm up for it. <laughs> that would be way fun. I'm oh, way man. up for it. Okay. Well. Well, to anyone still listening, uh, send us your send us your comments, your questions, your your beef. Roast Cameron. I mean, that, that's always available Bring too. It, it is it. it is a love language of mine, so please. Send it to Sound of Ages Choir. At gmail.com. Yes. Is that right? Yeah, it is. Way to go. <laughs> As you so, started to say the email, I was like, I, I hope he gets this right. <laughs> I hope so, too. You can edit it out, right? <laughs> nah, sound of Ages Choir at gmail.com. That's awesome. Nice. And <laughs> okay, we are well, considering uh, starting a social media presence. Yes. Considering specific it. To the, specific to the, the podcast. So be on the lookout. Till next That's time. great. We'll see you guys on Early Music Monday. <laughs>